in him. Amen. And uh, I wouldn't give you a blood nickel. I don't even know what that is. But I would, if I had one, I wouldn't give it to you. For a preacher that says he's a preacher, but don't ever have a desire to preach. Amen. I think if you're a preacher, you ought to have an itch every now and again. Somebody say amen. And uh, I'm thankful this afternoon uh, to be able to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday night. Well, I want to continue where we were at this morning. And uh, pray God to help us. And uh, I never got past really just the kind of just some opening thoughts. And um, I won't, uh, I'll give you a little bit of what we looked at this morning and then continue on where we were at. And hopefully we'll be able to finish it tonight. Ezekiel chapter number 22. And uh, we're going to begin reading like we did this morning. Uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 23 of Ezekiel chapter number 22. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor reigned upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of a prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls, they have taken treasures and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane, neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and have my and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey, to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and Divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery, and have vexed the poor and needy, yea, they have oppressed a stranger wrongfully. Here it was, verse 30, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but here's some sad words in your Bible. But I found none. Therefore I have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. We begin this morning looking at verse number 30 where the Bible says, where God speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, He said, And I sought for a man among them, that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap. We begin looking at that phrase where it says to that should make up the hedge. We looked at word hedge and how it dealt with a wall, a fence. And we looked at the word where it says to make up. It means to repair. It means to renew. It means to build back. And we begin to talk about how that uh, the Lord has boundaries. How that... We need to fix the fence. The Lord said in these verses to the prophet Ezekiel to tell the nation of Israel that they have allowed a breach in their fence. They have allowed a hole to be in their wall. If you was to go back and you could study the military wars of years gone by, maybe back in the ancient days when there would be uh, fortified forts and 
you'll find that some of the greatest defeats came when there would be a, a little hole in the wall and the enemy would find that hole and they'd sneak through and they'd find passageway to get in. And when they would get in, what they would do is they would have an upper hand nail on those inside because they were not expecting them to be able to get in. But they found a hole that had gone unnoticed, a hole, a spot in the wall, if you would, where nobody else knew anything about. They found a breach and they were able to come in and overtake those within the walls. And I believe what we looked at this morning is what the Lord was wanting the prophet Ezekiel to say. And I believe it's the message that's sounding forth today is that you and I, we need to fix the fences that are in our lives. Amen? We need mamas and daddies. We need to fix the fences that are in our homes. The boundaries that God has set up Whereas the thou shalt and thou shalt not, the boundary lines that God has given us. And let me remind you this evening that God does have some property lines. Amen. We talked about this morning that when it talks about those fences, that speaks of God's property. How that those inside of that fence belongs to the Lord. We are a purchased possession. We belong to God. And I said this morning, without re-preaching it, but reminding you that there's no other field I'd rather be in than in the field of the Lord Jesus. There's no other... A shepherd I'd rather have than the Lord Jesus being our shepherd. I'm glad this afternoon the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. Amen. And then we find that it speaks of God's protection. While we're inside of that fence, that fence is not only keeping us within, uh, but that fence is set up to keep those things uh, without. Those things without those wolves, uh, those lions, those things uh, that would love to destroy our lives. I'm glad we got a shepherd uh, that stands guard while we're asleep, while we're at our most vulnerable moments, when we don't know what's going on behind us, when we don't know what's down the road. I'm glad we got a shepherd uh, that's watching out for our lives. And I'm glad as long as we're in the will of God, we're under that umbrella umbrella of protection. But then we talked about how uh, that the, the fence speaks of God's perimeters. How that offense signifies what belongs to someone and what does not belong to someone. How that there are areas that we can go and unfortunately there are some areas where we shall not go. Amen. There are some things that God allows us to do and there are some things that God says we ought not to do. Somebody say Amen. When I think about it, we understand uh, this evening there are things that God will allow you to do. Now listen to me now. God will give you a permission to do. Let me just say this, that somebody else may not have the permission to do. Let me just say this, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but let me just say this. There are some things that are reserved for marriage. You hear me? And if it's not done within those boundaries of marriage, it's a sin. Come on now, somebody say Amen. And you know what happens? There's a lot out in this world today that don't have no, listen, they have no respect for marriage anymore. They don't have no respect for the bounds of matrimony. But let me say this. There are things that God says that can happen when you're married. And there's are certain things that ought not happen when you ain't married. Somebody say amen right there. But there are parameters that we're places we can go and things we can do. But there's also some things we shall not do. There's some areas, listen to me now, there's some areas where God will give us permission to go there's some areas where God says you ought not go. 
I don't know about y'all, but I think I've been in this thing long enough to know it's a whole lot better on this side of the fence than it is getting out doing my own thing, getting out there in the world and fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Because you know what you find? Reap, uh, weeping may endure for the night, but yes, joy cometh in the morning. But hear me and hear me well. There are some things you'll sow to the flesh that you'll never be able to get rid of. There'll be some scars you'll get outside of that protection in the hand of God. Yes, you can wander out like the prodigal son. And yes, you can go to the far country. And I'm glad there's grace that'll bring you back home. But hear me and hear me well. There were scars that that prodigal son... Never got rid of. You might have could have cleaned him up. And no doubt he did. No doubt that father put that robe on him. No doubt that father put the ring and them shoes on him. And that covered the outward man. But you better hear me and hear me well. No doubt there were some long nights. With what went on in his mind. Going back to that far country. The devil would always bring up to him. What he did in that far country. And if you was to interview the prodigal son. I bet you this is what he'd say. He'd say I wish I'd never left the father's house. I wish I'd stayed on this side of the fence. Rather than going the ways of the world. Hear me tonight. You better not listen to the devil. Amen. He's a liar. He'll tell you the grass is greener on the other side. But you'll find out it ain't greener on the other side. Amen. And let me say everything that glitters is not gold. I found there's a lot of things that's fool's gold. Amen. We talked about how we ought to fix the fence. Tonight I want to look at it. From we looked at this morning about it on this side of the fence. While we need to stay on this side of the fence. And how... We need to make sure the wall, the wall is up and the fence is protected because of what's on the outside. But I want to look at it tonight. What are the consequences if we don't fix the fence? What will happen if we don't fix the fences that are in our lives? What will happen? I believe we find within these verses tonight what happened to the nation of Israel because they would not fix the fence that God had set up in their life. Let me just say this this evening. It is our responsibility to not remove the ancient landmarks. Amen. And let me just say this. It's also our responsibility to make sure somebody else don't remove the ancient landmarks. Amen. And what we'll find in this text, we'll see the nation of Israel, they removed some boundary lines that God said not to remove. What do we find? Well, let's look what the Bible says. I want you to notice three things with me tonight on the reason why we need to have this fence fixed. What will happen, preacher, if this fence ain't fixed? Well, verse 30 says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. Here it is. And stand in the gap. Now, I don't know how long this breach in the fence was, but the Bible calls it a gap. And if you wish to look that up, you'd find that no doubt it had to be a big enough area that, was, that there was a breach that would allow those on the outside to come in on the inside. Let me say to you tonight, I said this morning, the fence is not only to keep things within it, it's also there to keep things on the outside, on the outside. Anybody in here tonight that's got common sense knows when you go in the house, what do you do? You shut the door. Come on, somebody help me preach tonight. Amen. You shut the door. You know why? It's not on because, well, I've got little kids, and we'll, when our little kids are thinking little, we would shut the door about nothing. That would keep them from going to the outside. But you know what I found out? We'd also uh, shut the door to keep those pests on the outside, on the outside, so they wouldn't come in on the inside. But you know what I believe we're finding in this hour? There's a lot of daddies and mamas. There's a lot of grandparents. There's a lot of church members. There's a lot of preachers that they've not shut the door and they've allowed the door to swing wide open and they've allowed things on the outside to make their way on the inside. Let me just say this. There are things we better keep on the outside. 
Come on now, somebody help me tonight. There's some things we better keep on now. What, what will happen if we, don't, if we don't fix the fence? Well, I noticed this, the three things. First of all, there'll be an invasion that is disturbing. An invasion. What do you mean? Well, look what the Bible says in verse 25. Notice this. He said, there is a conspiracy of a prophets in the midst thereof. Y'all see that? In the midst thereof. Look on. It says like roaring lions raving in the prey. They have devoured the souls. They have taken the treasure of the precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Look down in verse number 27. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening to pray or to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. You know what I found when I, when I looked at it? It says three times in verse 25 and verse 27 it says in the midst thereof. That lets me know that there was something at one time that was on the outside. There was something at one time was not on this side of the fence. It was on that side of the fence. But because there was a breach in the fence, because there was a hole in the wall, it allowed that on the outside to come to the midst thereof. You better hear me and hear me well. There are some big bad wolves, mamas and daddies. There are some big bad wolves, grandparents, that would love to come to your house. And they don't got no desire to stay on the outside. They want to be in the midst thereof. What happened? What, what was the invasion? Well, there's four things within these verses I saw. In verse number 25, it talks about there is a conspiracy of our prophets. I noticed this, one of the things that came in was the conspiracy of the prophets. Look at this, when I begin with that word conspiracy means, it means to conspire. It means to, to work together. In other words, it means that they had begun to work along with the enemy. Or, or rather else kind of said like this. The Bible says in verse 25, There is a conspiracy of our prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion, ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken treasures and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Do you know what a prophet was in the Bible? A prophet in the Bible was one that got the message from God. God would speak to him and he would go reveal that message to the, uh, to the people. God would call a prophet on the scene and God would tell that prophet, he'd say, go down there to the nation of Israel and prophesy these things. You know what his job was to do? His job was to go to, not to change the message, not to order down the message, not to add to the message, not to take away from the message, but his job, his only one job, was to just be a message boy and just carry the mail and go tell the nation of Israel everything God had told him to say. But you know what you find in these verses? There had been a conspiracy of the prophets. Other words, listen now, the prophets... Had conspired over the prophets had begun, listen, they had begun to twist the things of God. Yeah. They had begun to, if I can say it like this, they had begun to water down the things of God. Other words, you'll read on, you'll find. It says this, it says, they said God said it, God hadn't said it. You know what they'll do? They'll say, well, you know what? God told me to tell you this when God didn't tell them to tell you that. Y'all hear me? Or they'll say, that's not really that bad. You don't have to worry about that when God says, yes, that really is bad. And you better worry about that. Let me say to you, when I thought about that, I thought about what's going on across our country behind the average pulpit. There's a lot of men that are getting up and they've got a word from God, but this is what they're doing. They're getting up and saying, God said this when God 
God didn't say that. Or they'll get over here and say, God didn't say that. When God really did say that, we've got a lot of hirelings behind the pulpit. Uh, they'll water down what God said. They'll take away or they'll add to. But you better hear me and hear me well. There is a God that keeps good record books. We got a lot of preachers in this hour. And I understand when this speaking is speaking about the nation of Israel. Let me remind you, all the Bible may not have been written to you, but all the Bible is written for you. And Paul said in Corinthians that those things that happened to us in the Old Testament were in samples unto us that we might learn from. So let me just say this, what's happening right here in the nation of Israel, you better learn because let me say this, it's happening right now in America. It's happening right now in the average church. The church has let down the wall. The church has let down the fence. And you know what's happened? We've got a lot of men behind the pulpit. They wouldn't know God in the 10 acre field. They wouldn't know God if He stood right in front of them. And let me say, they get up behind the pulpit every Sunday with the title of preacher. And let me say this, they don't know nothing about the God of the Word. They don't know nothing about walking with God. You know why? Because they're just in it for a paycheck. I know what I'm talking about. Amen? We got a lot to listen. They do this as a job. Amen. This is something they clock in and clock out on. Let me just say this a true God called man of God never clocks in and he don't ever clock out. Amen. We got what well, I've seen this. He said there's a conspiracy of a prophets. They started working together with the enemy. In other words, it'd be something like this you can imagine. The prophets over here, they'd go over there and talk to the enemy and say, hey, I'll give you this right here. If you'll go back over there and give them a long message. You mean you'll give me that right there? Oh, yeah, I'll give you that if you go over and do that. Oh, man. But you know, I can't do that. I'll get in trouble with God. Oh, you know God wants you to take care of your family. All right. You know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe I can just twist it just a little bit. Let me just say this. I have, let me say this. I have truth, but still a whole lie. And it's my obligation as a God called me to God. To not only tell you that thou shalt, but I'm also required to tell you that thou shalt not. The Bible still says that we are to approve, to rebuke, and to exhort with all long suffering or with all long suffering doctrine. Can I remind you this evening that there is positive things in this book, but there's also negative things in this book. But you know what those prophets were doing? They were only giving the things that benefited them. Let me say this afternoon. That is still required, whether if it steps on someone's toes, I'm still required to give it. Amen. And there's been some times it ain't been real easy, Brother Benny, to give it out. Amen. But I'll tell you this. When I lay my head on my pillow at night, I can know I can sleep peacefully knowing that I minded God. I can sleep peacefully knowing that I got the peace of God. And at the end of the day, I've done what God told me to do. Whether who it upsets, I ain't in this to upset somebody. Somebody say amen. I ain't in this to make you mad. I hope you get glad. But hear me and hear me well. I have found out that sometimes people, when they're sleeping the night and you turn the light on, they'll get upset because they don't like the light being shined on in their life. You know the reason why people don't like preachers preaching on sin? Let me ask you this. Do you like when you're asleep? Remember when mamas, when you was asleep, you finally dozed off. Little Junior would come in there and he'd flip the light switch on. And you'd be sitting there and say, turn that light off. What's wrong with you, boy? You're acting like your daddy. You know what? That light was blinding. That light was shining. That light was removing the darkness and shining the light into the room. You know what preaching does? Preaching shines light. Yeah. And you know what? There's people, the Bible talks about that in the midnight hour. You know, you know what? There's two types of there's two types of things that happen in the midnight hour. The wicked get more wicked, and the good people go to bed. 
And you know what? Spiritually speaking, that's the way it is in this hour. We're living in the midnight hour. And you know what's happening? The weaker are getting weaker. And when God's people ought to be standing alive, when God's people ought to be alive on the hilltop, we're being rocked to the bed of these. And I want to tell you what we need in this hour is we need God and call men of God to still stand behind the pulpit and thunder the Word of God and say if God says it's wrong, it's still wrong. And if God says it's right, it's still right. There was a conspiracy of her prophets, but then there was corruption of the priest. Look at verse 26. It says, Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither they show difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths and have profaned them among me. Or it says they have profaned among them. You know what that priest is? That priest's job was to make sure the things that went on in the tabernacle went according to God's plan. But he was also, his duties was, if you go read Leviticus 17, his also his duties were uh, to make sure that he would call that which was clean, clean, and he would call that which was unclean, unclean. He would tell if the leper would come before him. He would tell him the rules of the leper. And he would say, you got leprosy, you're unclean. You got to go do this, 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 this. But before you can come back in, you've got to show yourself to me, and I've got to check you out. And if you come back and I can say clean, I can call you clean. But you know what we find in this? This is what they said the Bible says that the priests were doing. They were calling the clean things unclean, and they were calling the unclean things clean. If that don't sound like the average church we're living in, I don't know what does. Amen? Let's say it like this. Can I, can I, work? Can I say it a little bit different? The world is looking real churchy. And the church is looking real worldly. We're calling the clean thing unclean. And we're calling the unclean things clean. Let me just say this. There are some things that ought to be in the house of God. And there are some things that ought not be in the house of God. And let me just say this. The world ought not. Listen, I'm glad, thank God, we got lost people coming in. Somebody else say amen right there. This is a hospital. I'm glad you can come in and get some help. I'm glad you can come in and get saved. I'm all for the world coming in and getting saved. But I'm not for the world coming in and taking over the church. And we're living in a day and hour where, the, well, listen, the church is not winning the world. But the world is winning the church. There used to be a time, listen, I like what Brother Bud says. Brother Bud Stewart, he says, I'm for church, sounding like church. From preaching to singing to testifying to whatever the case may be, I'm for church, sounding like church. Let me say this, whatever we do in here, we ought to be able to tell the difference between what we do in here versus what they do out there. Listen, our message is different. Our song is different. Our walk is different. Our attitude is different. We're to come out from among the world and be ye separate, saith the Lord. I never forget, I read an article several years ago. This is what they said they were talking about. They said there was a, it was a church that was in Birmingham. And uh, this is what they said. They said they were trying to win the, uh, the gothic crowd. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I said gothic are the ones that all wear all black. And they don't wear black lipsticks and earrings. Uh, you know, they just all kind of stuff. And they said, Tom, I said, we gotta, we got to have a church that wins the gospel. I'll never get my red this. This is what the preacher said he's going to do. He said he's going to get red contacts. He's going to get earrings and put them all over his ears, all over his nose. He's going to wear horns on top of his head. And he said, I'm going to betray myself as a devil worshiper so I can win the gospel crowd. And I said, win them away. I said, win them away. What are you going to win them to? They already got them just playing the hat. When you look at it, 
we say this, there ought to be a difference. Listen, well, if, we, if we've got what they've already got out there, what's going to make them want what we got? But I'm glad, thank God, what we got in here is what they need out there. We're not the problem, good neighbor. We're the solution to the problem. Listen, what's going on in this world? It's not what's going on in the church house, but it's what's not going on in the church house. I still believe with all of my heart that the, what will fix this hour is not less preaching, but more preaching. Amen. You've got churches. You've got churches that are saved for two hours and expect a preacher to preach for 15 hours. 15 minutes. Almost said 15 hours. If you find a church that'll let a preacher preach for 15 hours, sign me up. Amen. <laughs> but you know what I'm telling you right. You know what? They want to get away from the word. Let me say this. I'm glad we've got services. Hear me now. I'm glad we've got services where the wind is blowing and the Lord's moving in and it's not God's will I preach. Now, I got enough sense when the big preacher shows up, this little preacher ought to hush up. Because God can say more in just a few minutes than I can ever say in a lifetime. But let me just say this if we ever get away, the Bible still says that He has chosen the foolishness of preachers out of the bound the wise. And let me say to you this evening what we need in this hour is we need to get back to calling those things that are clean, clean, and those things that are unclean, unclean. There was a corruption among the priests. It's all found in this day. I'm talking about when there was a breaching wall. This is what started coming in. They started giving the wrong prophets. They started giving the priests the good things were leaving and the bad things were coming in. How about this? I noticed this. There was a cruelty among the princes. Look at verse 27. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, ravening to prey, to shed blood, and to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. You know who the princes are? You know who the princes are? Can I say it like this? That's the politicians of the day. What princes were back then, what politicians are today. You know what the princes were doing? They were making laws to get dishonest gain. Does that, does that sound familiar? They were passing things that they just pat in their pockets. Let me just say this. I don't care what any politician says. If they don't line up with that blessed King James Bible, they're out of order. Somebody say amen. No, come listen, we're living in a couple in the day where they're saying this is okay and that's not okay. And they're saying abortion's just a, a person's choice, and the Bible still says that it's murder. Somebody say amen. And listen, they may say oh, that homosexuality is just an alternate lifestyle, but hear me and hear me well. The Bible still says that it's an abomination for a man. I don't lie with a man. And hear me and hear me well. We're living in a day where the princesses are doing what they want to do, not because they care about the people, but because they're taking advantage. Of the people. You know the reason why we got wicked politicians? Because we've allowed wicked people to vote them in. Well, I think I, I, there's a lot I could say right there, but I'm just going to move on. Amen. I tell you, we got a cruelty of the princes. The Bible said they were making this, they were taking advantage of people. You know what they do? They were taking advantage of the widows. You know what a politician's real good at? Take advantage of the widows. Come on, man. You know what I'm telling you, right? Right, sir. No, we're living in day and hour. Hey, listen. I don't care. Democrat, Republican, hate the bush you go about. Neither one don't care about you. I don't care if you're left wing. I don't care if you're right wing. Whatever one you're a part of, they're both right, part sir. of the same sick bird. Yeah. Hear me, hear me well. You know what the princess were doing? They were doing things that benefited them rather than benefiting the people. That's what happens when 
me tell you the reason why America's in the shape it's in is because the churches across America allowed a hole to get in the wall. It used to be a day, some of you old times are going to come back. It used to be a day where the church was here. And it used to be a day where the church had reverence. And now I can remember, I can remember growing up, when we would walk through a church cemetery, or we walk through any cemetery, this is what my daddy say, son, that's where somebody's lying. You have the state, and you don't walk in that grave. Now you'll see people, they'll, they'll go around and stand right on top of somebody's grave, and they have no respect anymore. Right. Amen. You know, there used to be a time where I can remember that you, it was bad enough, you didn't throw your trash out on the side of the road. But growing up, I asked my, my grandfather to say, I'm going to throw this out on the side of the road because the chain gang needs something to do. <laughs> he dropped by, come on, man, you know what I'm telling you, right? And he dropped by a church, I don't know got chain gangs, I don't know what they got now. But they would, when you drive by a church, you know what you do? You wouldn't dare be caught throwing trash out in the parking lot. You know why? Because the church house is a place of reverence. Now, you know what you'll find? Teenagers will pull up in the park church parking lot and cut donuts. Now, they'll, they'll bust out windows. They'll shoot up the doors. They'll throw the beer bottles out in the parking lot. They'll, they'll do all kinds of stuff. They'll throw the trash out in the parking lot. Oh, because the church is not reverence no more. You know why the reason why that is? It's way before the church. Listen, way before the world ever lost respect for the church. God's own people lost respect for the church. That's right. I saw a thing where it said back in 1970. This broke my heart. See, the... They said back in 1970, I wish I had wrote this down, because I couldn't believe it. 1970, they said this, 70% of Americans went to church. Faithful. You know what they said? They said 1970, and now that has dropped below 40%. So can I say it like this? I'm not real smart. The 70s is at 40 now, 30%. And you know what they said? They said that number was so disturbed, and this is what they said. To consider somebody a faithful church member, you know what they said? They said it wasn't going to church once a week. But they started making it where they went to church every two weeks. So even among the 30% that's faithful, they say it's just somebody that goes to church every two weeks. You know what's happened? I don't know if you know it, but it's getting where people that are claiming to be God's people are going to church less and less and less and less. And let's listen. If you don't believe it's happening, you better get your head out of the sand. Because people that used to be faithful, they ain't faithful no more. They'll find every reason. I ain't talking, y'all know me, I ain't talking about being good. If you're sick, stay home. Can I get a witness? But hear me and hear me well. If something's wrong in America, when you go everywhere else, but you can't go to God's house. Let me say this. If you go sit at a football game, you can go to church. If you go to Walmart, you can go to church. If you go to the restaurant, you can go to church. Somebody say amen right there. You know what I'm telling you, right? We're living in a day where they've lost respect. And we you know what? The reason why the White House don't have respect for the church house is because the church house lost respect for it a long time ago. We find that they, among the princesses, but listen, there was callousness among the people. Verse 29, the people of the land have used oppression, exercised robbery, and vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the strangers wrongfully. Y'all see this? This is what was going on at this time. When there was a breach in the fence, you know what happens? People got callous. You know what work? You know what bothers me? Now, can, can, can I just bear my heart? This Sunday night crowd. This is back home in Mount Perry Baptist Church. Let me tell you. You know what bothers me is that it don't bother people that don't bother. You know what callousness is? Anybody ever had callous on their hands? In other words, 
Well, I, when I was younger, I played the, I played the guitar for a little while. I wish I had continued on with that. But brother, look, I played the guitar. And I, when I first started playing, my fingers, it, my fingers hurt. I mean, they said, you keep playing with me with your cows, so I'm going to hurt no more. Well, you want to know what happened? You know what happened to church? A lot of God's people become cows. Things used to bother them, don't bother them anymore. And what's what I'm, what I'm afraid of in this hour, what ought to be bothering us ain't bothering us, and what ought not be bothering us is bothering us. We say this, there's something wrong when the church has gotten over the fact of being bothered with people going to hell. You know what bothers me when I read this text? I shared this with Brother Mark a little bit this morning. Is when it says in verse number 30, I saw four men, just one, just one man, just one man, just one. Man. If it was sought for more than one, we know it would have said men, y'all with me? But it said, man, just look at this one. Salt for a man. Make up the hedges, stand in the gap. Here it is. And I found none. I look for one man. Let me just say this. When God goes to looking, he knows how to find. And for me to read that and say he's salt, that means God did a deep, thorough inspection. And you know the reason why he didn't find none? Wasn't because they were hiding real well. The reason is because there was none. What's happening in this day and hour is we've lost our tears. There, listen, I've got family members, you've got family members, some of you got children, some of you got grandchildren, I've got babies that have yet to be saved. Y'all with me? And we say this, we ought not get over our burden for them. You know what my you know what my, my burden is for 2022? I don't know if y'all I don't know how y'all feel about it, but I thought like we fixed to get up out of here. Things are looking, listen, things is, I'm just waiting for any moment. It wouldn't hurt my feelings to go step out of five and call us home tonight. But we're about to look at the body. I believe that. The way things are shaking up, I believe that. Let me say this. If you're looking for a Republican to come out and fix this outfit, we, you, you mind in this station. Always going to fix this thing is King Jesus. Amen? Amen. And ain't going to be him in the White House. It's going to be him, thank God, on his holy heel. Yeah. Hear me, hear me well. Time's running out. You know what my burden for 2020 this last Sunday night, 2020, or 2021, you know what my burden is? What my burden is? I want to see God save some of our loved ones in 2022. I want us to get our burden back. And you know what's happening? We are allowing, we have been rocked to a bed of ease, and we've let the door wide open. And we're letting things come in, and they're snatching up our children, and dragging them off to hell, and mamas and daddies are going off doing whatever else, and they're not watching, and we've allowed the door to be swung wide open, and we've allowed corrupt politicians, we've allowed corrupt preachers, we've allowed corrupt things in this world to infiltrate our churches, infiltrate our homes, and hear me, hear me well, waiting for the church house of the way the way they did, our homes went the way they did. Right. Now I say to you, my burden for this next year, if God said God saves some people, you know what, you know what, it ought to bother us, I hope y'all mind me being honest. I'm going to be real honest. Right. If we want to walk back there in that baptistry pool, and I bet if I was a betting person, I bet you every dollar I got in my wallet, you'd probably rub your hand and cough that in the dust. You know what the average baptistry pool is at the average church? It's a storage place. But they store their Christmas decorations until Christmas rolls around the next year. You know why? I understand the baptistry pool don't save you. Somebody help me. You know what I love to see? 
I love to see people get saved so much out here that we couldn't even hit that bed before. Say, well, listen, brother, we can just leave him there for next week. We got to baptize him more. Come on, somebody help me. Let me ask you this. Is it bothering you that we ain't seen anybody get saved? You see, when you think about it, you remember the song we used to sing, Will the Family Circle Be Perfect? You know what? Now think about that song, that family circle. I don't know about you, I know, but if a circle, that's real. And that means all of it is connected. If, 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 if it's a seed, it ain't a circle. Do you know what I believe a lot of our homes are tonight? They're a city rather than a circle. Because there's a missing part that the family circle is not complete. Because if we went to go around, there ain't too far from our house, if it be our children's house, or if it be our loved one's house, we could probably, in this room tonight, we couldn't go for doubt. We probably could fill that notebook up with people that we love dearly that are lost. And if they died tonight, they would be their home. Now, I tell you, I wonder if the Lord wants to come by Mount Perrin Baptist Church tonight. And say, I'm looking for this one. This one that'll stand in that gap. You know what it means when he talks about standing in the gap? It means being an ancestor. Other words, when they're not able to stand in that gap, you stand in that gap for them. And you make up their spot. Other words, where are some mamas and daddies that give burdens back to their to their children? Or where are some friends that give burdens to their co-workers that get on the altar and say, Lord? There's probably nobody else in this world that calls their name out. But God, you let me cross paths with them. And I'm going to pray for them. And I remind you, you have not because we asked not. Yes. You got any grandkids that are lost? You got any co-workers that are lost? You got any sisters? You got any brothers? You got any uncles? You got any aunts? Best friends? If you don't get a burden for them, who will? Who will? He's looking for just one. Just one. But you know what I believe tonight? I believe there's nothing here. If we get our burden back, I don't believe it just be just one. I believe, I believe, that's not, I'll be honest with you. I hope not, I hope the reason why you're church on Sunday night because you're saved. Yeah. Normally, thank you to come back to church on Sunday night. Come on, I'll give you like they know I'm telling you. Right? Amen. I ain't saved, everything here ain't saved. You know what I'm saying? Surely tonight, probably somebody in your mind right now. You say, you know what? I've lost my burden for them. I've not prayed for them like I should. Maybe you don't alter tonight and say, Lord, but I'm too late. You come to me and Maybe you want to get on the altar tonight and say, Lord, give me my burden back. Lord, there's a lot, there's a lot that's wrong. And if I keep, if I keep. Doing what I'm doing, I'm going to keep letting the enemy come in and take everything. You see, there's, there's a part that closes out in this chapter. When he talks about he was seeking out and they listened to him. He was seeking out for just one. They were standing together. You know why? He said, because if I failed just one, he said, I would have been held by indignation. He said, but I did find none. And so I let my wrath fall on him. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you won somebody's job? When's the last time that you, or your witnesses, I understand God is the ultimate soldier, and you hear me, but I'm saying when's the last time for your witness that somebody could come up to you and say, had it not been sent for you getting a burden for me, I would have never heard about you. But you, you invited me to church. 
You know who they say that when somebody comes to church, you know who they say that the one that that they say that has the most potential impact on him? It's not the church sending out visitation cards. It's not visitation programs. Even though all those things are good, and I believe they're right in the right place. It's not the preacher going around and visiting. It's not popular opinion. It's not the preacher going around visiting. You know they said they did a poll, and you know what they said? That the majority of people who come to church came to church for? Because they had a plan in Bible. So you can reach people I can't reach, and I can reach people you can't reach. Let me ask you tonight, what do you do? She might 